just want to be a little, little personal with you just for a second. Last Sunday, um, I was heading to church, moving my son's car seat uh, out of my truck into my wife's car. And um, it felt like somebody forcefully took both hands and pushed me in the center of my chest and knocked me back. And if I had not had the car to grab the truck to grab, along, grab onto, I would have hit the ground. Um, and I opened my eyes, and the world was just doing this number, turning upside down. And um, I had enough uh, awareness to pull the phone out of my pocket and just call my wife, who was inside, still getting ready for church. And uh, she come come out and help me back into the house. Um, went to the doctor on Monday, and the doctor, uh, I, I'm struggling with vertigo. I have uh, migraine, what he believes is migraine-induced vertigo, and so he has, uh, I've struggled with migraines all my life. Um, I did not know, this is something, you know, free, free of charge here, um, I did not know that migraines don't necessarily always cause pain, that you can feel symptoms of migraine. There are multiple symptoms of migraines, and uh, vertigo is one of those symptoms. And so uh, he's referred me to a neurologist. We're going to go and kind of walk down that road and figure out what's going on. So uh, please be praying for me. That's why I'm sitting on a stool, because it'd be incredibly awkward if I was in the middle of this sermon and just hit the floor. <laughs> um, that would, I don't want to say awkward, that would not be a good sign. So uh, please forgive me, because I'm, I'm a pacer. And as y'all know, as I've taught before, I will pace from one end of the platform to the other. And uh, I can't do that with vertigo. I can't make quick turns and, and all that. But um, we're here. Um, the Lord is faithful. And um, I've, uh, I've, I've leveled out. Um, I tell people I've gone from being tossed at sea to kind of floating on a, on a, on a pontoon at Lake Bowen. So that's kind of, you know, you know, you spend all day on the boat and you get off the boat and you, you're on solid ground and you kind of feel... You feel the ground kind of doing this number. That's what I feel like. Anyway, um, enough about me. Please be praying for me. Um, I know that may, please don't see that as a selfish thing. Um, I'm, I'm a little concerned, but I know that God's faithful and, and he'll all work, he'll work it out for his glory. Um, so this morning, uh, that brings us to our passage of scripture and what we're going to be doing. Um, but before we dive into that, I just want to pray um, because this is a, a time um, a lot of times we look at worship through music, that that's worship. Um, this time's worship too, and um, this is, we are worshiping through the study of God's Word. And I want to ask you personally, will you join me today in the study and the worship through studying God's Word? Which means, hey, have a copy near you, out, maybe take some notes, keep your mind engaged, Hopefully I won't be too long, but, but let's worship and honor God through this time as we study his word together. Um, because I, that's kind of how I look at this. I, yeah, I'm up here on this platform, but um, I'm studying the word with y'all. So I want to pray and then we're going to dive into this thing and um, just uh, honor the Lord this morning by worshiping through word, uh, his word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. Um, uh, Lord, and, and I think of the word Theonustos breathed out. It is God breathed, as the book of Hebrews says. And God, um, that it's living and active. And Lord, we, we will see today <laughs> um, one of the more controversial statements uh, that you have said that, that caused a ruckus. 
But God, let us plant our feet solidly in the fact that you are Emmanuel, God with us, God in flesh, that you and the Father are one as you have proclaimed in this passage. And God, get all the glo- we want you to have all the glory and the honor for it. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as, throughout time, I think this is the big thing. And the way this passage opens up, we're going to be in, for those of y'all that are keeping score at home, we're going to be in John 10 and we're going to be in the last part of the chapter uh, because that was a part of what we read this week. John 10, uh, 22 through the end of the chapter. Now, here's a cool thing. If you're not working with us as we're walking through the New Testament, and we're going from the New Testament we started in August, and we're going to be wrapping up right before Easter. We're uh, just kind of chronologically walking through the New Testament. And I, I think this is really cool. Um, and you uh, don't let it stop you if you aren't joining in with us where we've got cards and stuff out in the lobby. You can hop right in. Uh, we've got the weeks dated off. Uh, and, and you can jump right in right where we are and, and just walk through the rest of the New Testament with us. Uh, it's been really cool. I love walking through the halls on Wednesday nights and hearing conversations, two or three people having the same conversations that they've read the scripture together. Um, and, 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 and it's crazy how God is one of the things that testifies to the fact that his word is living and active is that it still works in the lives of people. And so it's one of those things that we are, we, are in, in, we are called as believers not to just sit and not just to do what is comfortable. We are called to grow and we are called to dig into his word, study his word and learn about God. And actually that's kind of what we're going to be talking about a little bit. Theology, knowing God, the study of God. And a lot of times we look at the word, the, if y'all can already see, I am itching to stand up. Don't let me stand up. Tell me to sit down. Um, but theology is the study of God. A lot of times theology gets a bad rap because it's an ology word and it's a big word. It's kind of like an ism word. We like to take our ism words and throw them and go, well, that's not for me. I don't like that. Or our ology words and, and we throw them over. Well, that, I just love Jesus. Well, here's the thing. You love Jesus. Okay, good. All right. Who is Jesus? Well, he's the son of God. Okay. Well, who's God? He's the one true living God, Yahweh, the God of the Bible. Oh, thank you for that theology. I appreciate that. That's theology. As believers, we have to know theology. We need to know theology to know God the Father more. And so it, it helps us when we say, okay, theology is important. And we're going to get to that here in a minute. So, but a lot of times, in, in the way this passage opens this morning, in, in, in John 10, 22 through the end of the chapter, is that uh, this notion of the public square is introduced. And so uh, I think that's something that has been lost in our internet age, the onset of the internet. Um, how many of my zennials are in here in between the uh, a- age of, of uh, we saw the end of Generation X and the beginning of the millennial generation? We lived an analog life, but also we saw the onset of the internet uh, dial up and that AOL dial tone through the phone line still gives me chills to this day. But... Um, that has become our public square. And that's dangerous because a lot of times it's good for us to introduce and walk into a a, a public square, a a place where we can exchange thought and have conversation. Conversation, even if we disagree, I don't want to go down that road, but um, uh, this public square, we see it in in other ways. I I think big, big for me, before the onset of the internet, our public square was, um, if, and now, gentlemen, if you are one of these men, 
I'm not making fun of you, but kind of the public square is, is, is Hardy's on a, on a, on a, like from 6 to 7 a.m. in Bowling Springs. Have any of y'all ever walked into Hardy's uh, early in the morning and saw the group of, of elderly gentlemen over there holding court? That's what I like to always say. Y'all know what I'm talking about. They're talking about the business of the, of the, of the town. If you're from the Clifton Glendale area over near Cowpens, you know that there's a group of men that hold court at John's Cafe every morning. How many of y'all know about John's? Anybody know about John's? Yeah, John's is the place to go. Uh, same thing for how many of y'all from Inman? Inman? Inman people? Grannies. Have y'all ever walked into Grannies early in the morning and saw, you know, the men kind of gathered there, kind of holding court, talking about the business of the town? That's kind of like a public square. Now, it, it's, it's, it's a discounted version of that, but... Really, we don't have, uh, there can be some debate, but we don't really have a public square. When we look through time, we see areas, we look at like the church. We look through colonial America. The church was kind of the public square, not only for worship services, but the church also handled business of the town. If there was a meeting to be had, it was in or around the church. And as towns grew, and as Thomas Jefferson, or as Jefferson kind of instituted, hey, the need to separate church and state, not to keep the church out of the state, but to keep the state out of the church. That's very clear. Don't get me started there. Um, but uh, it, it's one of those things that there's always been a public forum. That's where we get the name. If you are on, you know, I'm a college football junkie. And so a lot of the message boards are called what? Forums, right? Am I the only one? Am I? No. Okay. Um, but they're called forums. And so in Jerusalem, this is the context of what we're going to be talking about this morning. In Jerusalem, this is the forum where, where simple things were debated, had talked about, worked out, okay? And, and this specific area was right outside the temple. Well, it was a part of the temple, but it was called Solomon's Colonnade or Solomon's Porch. And this is where a lot of people gathered to talk about ideas and, 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 and things, you know, things about God. And, and, and there were a lot of things going on there. Well, well, here's the thing. There, there were hard questions asked. And the specific hard question that was asked, basically, they asked of Jesus himself was, was you know, are you the Messiah? Are you God? You know, that, that was there. And, and, and so that's going to be addressed in the scripture that we're going to be talking about this morning. But even what made me started thinking about it is I started preparing this passage of scripture is, is there, were stati- there, there was a study done this year that absolutely opened my eyes that brings the need and the importance of us to be in God's Word, but also the importance for us to know God's Word. Lifeway, resources, a lot of the stuff that we lean on here at New Life, but then also Ligonier Ministries, if any of y'all have ever heard of a gentleman by the name of R.C. Sproul, the late R.C. Sproul, um, he, he started a ministry called Ligonier, okay? Uh, and, and Ligonier and Lifeway teamed up, and they did a, a study, a statistical study, a survey study called the State of Theology in 2022. And they just asked, they sent out general questionnaire questions, okay? And, and the returns on that are incredibly alarming. And these are of people who say they are followers of Christ, and it's going to show us the need of, of why we need to be in God's Word. Okay? Here's some returns on that study. 71% agree there's one true God and three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Good. 
67% agree that God accepts worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. These are not secular, these are not people who don't say that they are Christians. These are people that say they are Christians that these are the returns on. Keep that in mind as we read through these, these stats. 66% agree that God is a perfect being and cannot make a mistake. I'm going to spare you a couple of more of these, but I'll, I just want to hit some highlighted, highlighted ones. Uh, 51% of Christians that they surveyed agree that God learns and adapts to circumstances. 51%. We're, I hear a little chuckle, but let's, be, let's have a reality check about this. Half of the people in this room, a little over half of the people in this room, according to this study, say this. And the biggest one that I want to point out is 53%, even more so, 53% agree that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Of Christians in 2022, I've got the source, I've got the paper, it's a, it's a thick little... Uh, periodical paper. It, it's, if you, if you want to look it up on the internet, the name of the article is The State of Theology in 2022, and it was published by Lifeway and Ligonier Ministries. But 53% of y'all, 50, not, not of y'all, but 53% of the Christians surveyed said this. What? Y'all. So the forum rhetorical question, this is our forum this morning. The public square. We're going to put under a microscope. Did Jesus claim that he was God? Our first step as a believer, as a follower of Christ, when we are talking about these questions, we don't need to go to an external source. If I want to know what kind of ice cream my wife wants after dinner tonight, I'm not going to go to my neighbor four doors down and ask him, hey, you know, you know what kind of ice cream my wife might want? Yeah, you know, she's been a fan of butter pecan as of late. But, you know, I'm thinking maybe something a little more seasonal. Maybe some, some pumpkin spice something. If, she, if she's listening to me right now, they're on their way back from the ladies' retreat. If she's listening to me, she's going, ugh, pumpkin spice ice cream. But y'all get what I'm saying. I'm not going to go three doors down. <laughs> Horrible band, by the way. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, but, but I'm not going to go to my neighbors and say, hey, do you know what kind of ice cream my wife wants? And by the way, if you like three doors down, please don't let that stop you from hearing the rest of my message. Musical taste. Let's agree to disagree, maybe. Um, but, but that's the thing. I'm not going to. I'm going to go to my wife. And so when we, when we have these questions Oh, well, about the Trinity or about the Holy Spirit or about uh, did Jesus claim that he was God? Where, are we gonna, where do we need to go? We need to go to Scripture, God's Word. Okay? Then we go, okay, how do we process this? And specifically where we're going to be at, John 10, 22 through 42 is where we're going to be at this morning. And this is it, it, the reason I did all my thing about the public forum and the colony is, is that's where Jesus is going to be found in the first couple of verses. So let's... I'm going to give you a second to get there. I'm going to take a sip of water and we're going to start reading. But in John 10, 22, is where we're going to be starting. And it says this. I'm going to be reading out of the New Living Translation. The New Living Translation, I, I from time to time, love to teach out of that version. It's a little bit different from the ESV. The New Living Translation is written on a seventh grade reading level. That probably says a lot about me more than I'd like to admit. 
but um, it, it's just a, it's an easier processing. And so the text that I'm going to be reading from is going to be out of the New Living Translation. It says this, John 10, 22 says it was now winter and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. So we know kind of in context that, that we're about to kind of go into that season, which is kind of cool that we're reading this right now. And we're, we're walking into that season where we're going to see some of our Jewish friends celebrating Hanukkah. That's what's going on at the temple. So it's holiday time at the temple, sit at town center, Solomon's colonnade. And verse 23 says this, he was at the, he was at, uh, he was at the temple Walking, he was in the temple walking through a section known as Solomon's Colonnade. Okay, so we, we can kind of to set the context, we can see that. Um, I, I remember just uh, before Amazon set in and before we had online shopping and Cyber, Cyber Monday and all that, uh, it was a big thing to go to the mall on Black Friday. Like, you could not get in the mall, people were lined up and at KB Toys and all that. And I kind of imagine that busyness around the temple. There were a lot of people go around the temple, a lot of stuff going on. And, and, and this was a place where people gathered, kind of on the porch. Kind of a concept that's transcended time because, you know, you live in small town. There's a lot of people that tend to gather on porches and have conversations. And we get what this is, what this is going on. And so we, we see Jesus walking through this, this porch area. And some people decide to stop him. Okay, in verse 24, and it says this, the people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep, uh, keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Verse 25, Jesus replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. The proof is in the work that I do in my father's name. So to give kind of context, think about if you're reading along with us, going through the, going through the weekly readings, Everything that we have read about the ministry of Jesus up to this point, all the miracles, the baptism at John the Baptist, the healings, those things, all of those things have happened before this point. These people have witnessed this stuff. And they look at him in this public forum. This was a gotcha question. They were trying to play a little cat and mouse game and trying to catch Jesus in something. Okay, in order to arrest him, in order to shut him up. It's kind of what they were, they were wanting to do. But what Jesus points out to, in verse 26, he says this, he says, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. He says, the proof is in my, the work that I do in the, my father's name. I've got a resume to prove to you that I am the son of God. Lazarus, healings, baptism feeding of the 4,000, feeding of the 5,000, the demon-possessed, the demon-possessions. Demon <laughs> All of this evidence is right there. And these people, they, either they have witnessed it or there has been word of that first or second hand saying, hey, and they're wanting a show. They're saying, hey, give us proof right here in front of everybody. Let's do this thing. If you're the Messiah, tell us right now. Show us. And he's going, if y'all haven't seen this by now, Y'all ain't going to see it. Verse 26 is interesting though. But you don't believe me because you're not my sheep. He introduces this illustration of a sheep. Um, I, am, I am not a farmer. Duh. Probably y'all can figure that out by looking at me. 
Um, I, I've never interacted with a lot of sheep. I've, I've seen sheep. I've petted a sheep um, in one of those petting zoo situations. Um, but there's a couple of things that I do know about a sheep. They're dumb. Sheep are dumb. So in kind of a way, we need to, uh, okay, Jesus is calling us his sheep. Austin kind of pointed it out a while ago. We, we sit and look and we talk and we read about the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. How can they mess up so much? What's going on? All this other, how can they be so stupid? And then we're sheep, y'all. We are his sheep. Now, there's a good and bad part of this illustration that Jesus uses here. He says, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Jesus is very direct in this. And he's pointing out that their eyes are closed to the clear evidence that Jesus is who he says he is because of the miracles. But also, he's, he's made some proclamations here before, before this point. But they're wanting to like just get him good this time. And, and so he brings this illustration of the sheep into the whole thing. And he elaborates in verse 27. He says, my sheep listen to my voice. Let that sit for a while. Let that, let that kind of burn a little bit. That's, y'all ever had peroxide to an open wound? How many of y'all had a grandma or a mom that when you got a cut, it was, it was either alcohol or peroxide to clean that wound? Woo! This is kind of some peroxide right now. It's kind of cleaning some of the misunderstandings maybe that we might have about Jesus. We might have about our relationship with him if we follow him. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. There is a, in those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, maybe thirteen words right there. That one verse in verse 27 is a, is a, is a, is a theology book on, on following Christ. Because it says, my sheep listen to my voice. If we know anything about sheep, sheep are dumb. If, you, if sheep are not watched over, if they're not tended to, they wander. Usually shepherds have sheep dogs. Sheep dogs help shepherds kind of keep the sheep in the fold and they move wherever they need to move, keeping separate from other folds or whatever the flocks. Other flocks. See, I don't know what I'm talking about sometimes. Um, but, but a shepherd can walk into a pen or, or wherever and call his sheep and his sheep will know his voice and they will come. They will start to gather around him. They will follow him. Believer, if you are following him, if you are a follower of Christ, you will know his voice. How do we know his voice? How do we know his characteristics? How do we know his character? How do we know his wants, his desires, his plans for our life? You got to get in it. You got to. That's how we know God's will. You want to know God's will for your life? Start digging in this thing. Start with the book of John, where we're at. But his sheep, he says, his sheep know his voice uh, and, and they listen to him and they follow me. Follow me, period. Not follow me one hour on Sunday when it's, when it's what we do. Not follow me on Wednesday night when it's what we do. Not follow me when I feel like it because, well, you know, whatever. 
follower, a sheep follows the shepherd all the time. Why? Because the sheep knows that the shepherd's going to keep him safe. I'm going to say that again. The sheep knows that the shepherd is going to keep him safe. Sheep have no way to defend themselves. And sheep wander. And what happens when a sheep wanders? There's usually a wolf within striking distance. And that wolf's waiting for that one sheep, big or little, to wander off. And usually it wanders off by itself. And what happens? The wolf gets to the sheep. So if you're wandering off from the shepherd, guess what's going to happen? You're free game for that wolf. There's a big illustration here, y'all. If you're not fellowshipping with the body of believers as a sheep, as a follower of Christ, if you're not tied into a local church, it may be here, it may not be here if you're visiting, whatever. If you're not tied in participating and growing in the local church, you're asking for that wolf to, to attack you. Well, man, I, I, you know, I love fishing on a Sunday, man. It's a great time. I love to get out there and spend my time with the Lord. That's how, I, you know what? Yes, you can commune with God on that boat. But you know what? You need the fellowship of other believers for encouragement and, and, and protection within the flock. And you need to be near the shepherd, too, of Jesus. I'm not saying Scott or, or me or Austin or whoever. We're not, we're not the shepherd. The good shepherd is Jesus Christ. But when we look at this illustration, when the sheep doesn't follow the shepherd, nine times out of ten, the sheep ends up dead. And there's a lot of wolves that sheep go to thinking that there are other sheep. I'll let that one sit for a minute. But we have to have biblical discernment. And the way that we have biblical discernment, so once again, we've got to get in His Word. We've got to be in His Word. We've got to study it, know, dig, and understand the character of God through His Word. Verse 28, he says this, and, and, and I'm going to kind of take a running start here because it, it all flows together. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they know me. I give them eternal life, the shepherd. I give them eternal life and they will never per perish. And no one, no one, no one can snatch them away from me. The reason that no one can snatch them away from me is because eternal salvation in Christ it is in Christ alone, and God is the one that secures that salvation. It is initiated by God. It is secured by God. And there's nothing we can do and nothing that can take us away from that salvation that is in Christ and in Christ alone. Salvation is in God. Verse 29. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone, and no one can snatch them from the Father's hand. So he's doubling down here. He's enforcing why no sheep can be taken from his sheep flock fold because he is the shepherd. He is the one that secures them. He is the good shepherd. He is God, salvation is in God and in God alone, just as I said. Now here is the, the culmination of the whole thing. Now remember... We have the people. This is his response to the question of the people in the colonnade saying, hey, are you the Messiah? And so he is saying all that to say this. He's saying, hey, I've given you proof and all the miracles that I've worked, 
but you don't believe me because you're not, you're not my followers. You haven't surrendered your life to me. You don't believe because you haven't surrendered your life to me. And, and about that, God's the only one that can do all of that. And God secures it. And he says, oh, by the way, in verse 30, very short, simple, and sweet. He says, the Father and I are one. The Father and I are one. How many is one? One. Singular. It's, an, it's, it's one essence. One being, three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Now, it, the, the Trinity is a whole other sermon. Okay? And, and that's, that's uh, probably for another day. We'll probably cover that here as we work through all this. As we continue to teach through the New Testament. But the Father and I are one. He's talking about in unity. We go back to Genesis 1. We see Jesus there with God. Why do we know that? Because John 1 affirms that. In the beginning, the Word was God. In the beginning, the Word was God. The Word was with God. Later on, we see that the Word became flesh. We've talked about that in John. And we've, got to, we've also got to back out here too in the whole account for John. The reason that John is writing all this in an account is so that we may know who Christ is. The reason John starts there in the beginning, the Word was God, and then because he accounts for this is because he wants us to know that Jesus did make this claim. The Father and I are one. There are a lot of illustrations that for the sake of, I don't want to lead y'all down the wrong path because the Trinity is a very cautious thing that we have to approach that I'm not going to give examples of right now. I don't fully understand the Trinity. I don't. I'm learning more and more about it as I grow and mature in my relationship with Jesus every day. But here's what I do know, that the best example that I have, have come to, uh, uh, to explain the Trinity. And even that, I'm hesitant because uh, there may be things that I don't know nor understand. But an equilateral triangle has three corners. You take one of those corners away and it, it ceases to be what? A triangle. So we take a triangle of equal corners, and it makes a triangle. That's the surface understanding. I don't want to dive too much into that, but, but not losing focus on what Jesus claimed right here. Jesus was looking at these people and saying, I am God. The Father and I are one. Whoa, whoa, Jimmy, Jimmy, he didn't, he didn't say that right out now. He didn't say he was Jesus, or Jesus didn't say he was God. Now, now, wait, wait, wait just a minute. Oh, hold on. I'm going to ask you something. Look at the reaction of the, of the teachers and the, and the people that were in the crowd in the next verses. Verse 31, he says, once again, the people picked up stones to kill him. Jesus said, at my father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? They replied, we're going, we're not stoning you for any good work, but for your blasphemy. These were Jewish people who were well-versed in the law. They go on to say, you are a mere man. 
You, a mere man, claim to be God. Think about the actions that they were about to do to Jesus. They were about to stone him for claiming to be God. So if Jesus never said that he was God, then why would they be stoning him? Why would they be preparing to stone him if those words did not come out of his mouth? Because the weight would fall on the people who had the stones in their hand for murder. They would be the guilty party at that point. So a lot of times we have to look at the context and put it all together and go, yeah, absolutely he did. But he's also pointing back to it, my father's direction. I've done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? His claim to be God. Verse 34, we pick up. Jesus replied, It is written in your own scriptures that God said to certain leaders of people, I say you are gods. Oh, great. Here we go. Confusion. What, what are you talking about? What, this is weird. What, what's Jesus talking about? This is a verse from Psalm 82, 6. He said, I said, you are gods. Uh, you are all sons of the Most High. Back when judges arbitrated or, or, handed or, or, or handled the law of God and ruled, they were viewed as relayers of God's law. And so in a sense, they were handled as they referred to them as gods. And so what Jesus is saying is, okay, well, if you're going to stone me for claiming to be God, you might, you might need to pick up the stones and throw them at these guys too. Because you're calling them gods as well. So, so if we've we we got to be just here, we've got to be balanced. If y'all are going to do this, you're going to do it to us all. And he said, and you know what the, that the Scriptures cannot be altered in verse 35. So if the people who received God's message were called gods, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the Son of God? Twice. And I'm telling y'all right now, there are false religions and cults that gather and say and will double down and argue with you until they're blue in the face that Jesus never said this stuff and that Jesus never made this claim. But it's right here in John. It says, I am God, and after all, the Father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. There he goes, pointing back to his, his miracles and his ministry. Don't believe me unless I carry out my Father's work. The proof's in the pudding. Look back at what I've done. Look at my back. Look, it's all right here. Open your eyes, people. That's kind of what he's saying to these people in the colonnade. 38, he said, but if I do this work, believe me in the evidence of the miraculous work I have done. Even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the Father is in me and I am in the Father. That's the third time. There's a lot of rabbits that we can trace with that number, or chase with that number, but that's the third time. He gave them an answer plain and simple. But it wasn't the answer that they wanted. It was the truthful answer, but it, it wasn't the answer that they wanted that appeased them. 
that let them go on and live their life happily doing what they wanted to do. And, 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 and they wanted to get rid of this Jesus character because uh, for several different reasons. We can, I, I don't know like fully that area, but Jesus laid it down plain and simple right here three times. I and the Father, I and, and the Father are one. Verse 30. And then he goes down. And, and he makes, a, verse 36, I am the Son of God. And then in verse 38, I am in the Father. He answered their question. It was just not the answer that they wanted. Verse 39, once again they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. He went beyond the Jordan River to a place where, where John was baptizing and he stayed there a while. And many of them followed him. John didn't perform miraculous signs. They remarked to one another. But everything... Now this was the conversation. This was the arena of the conversation after he had left the crowd. They remarked to one another. But everything he said about this man has come true. And many who were there believed in Jesus. Don't miss that part. That Jesus was walking through the... And this was, this was a week before or, or a time frame before the Passover festivities began. And so he was retreating for it, it, kind of some of the final weeks of his ministry. But don't miss the fact that this interaction led to even more people believing in Christ. Don't miss that, believer. That sometimes you may have a hard interaction representing Christ in your workplace, at school, uh, where you play basketball at, who you play golf with, whatever you do. You may struggle representing Christ and there may be a lot of heat, a lot of criticism, a lot of other stuff. But if you stand firm on, on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and His Word, God's Word, it will not return void. And a lot of times, we're given the responsibility of going and telling. Well, going and telling sometimes just means that we are planting a lot of seeds. And sometimes when you plant seeds, you may not see the fruit. You may not be the one that sees the harvest. You just have to be faithful to go and plant the seed, to go and tell. So what do we do with all this? What does it mean if Jesus... We see here that Jesus' claims were true. He did claim to be God. So what do we do with that? I think it's very fitting. One of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis. This is not the verbatim quote. But Lewis takes and processes this and he goes, well... He's either, y'all may have all heard it, but it's the liar, lunatic, or Lord. If Jesus claimed to be God, and we have to examine his life and go, okay, we see the proof is in the pudding, the stamp of the seal of approval when he was baptized, the ascension of the dove, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God's voice, the Trinity right there. We see the miracles that validate his ministry. Oh, and by the way, this whole death, burial, and resurrection thing, he defeated death. Not making, not, not, please, 
I'm being sarcastically fun. But when we ask this question, we look and we go, well, his ministry is there. So he wasn't a liar. We have people and accounts to validate that he wasn't a lunatic. He wasn't crazy. People were healed. People did go ask Lazarus. Look at the accounts that were written. By the way, I don't know if y'all, y'all heard, but there was um, Dr. James White was talking about the validity of Scripture. I think it was just recent, a 2022 find. They found, I think it was the book of Leviticus, where a scroll had been dug up, fossilized, and they were able, they realized, this is free of charge, by the way, they realized that, that uh, when they were looking, the, they, they were, if they were to start to unroll the, the scroll, that it would crumble. So with our modern technology, they were able to scan this fossilized scroll. And as they scanned it, the, the program that they were using, they were able to roll out the scroll as if it were right in front of you. And guess what they found? Lo and behold, straight, direct language translation I forget the language that it was in. I I think it was original Greek or Hebrew. And when they translated the words from the portions of those scrolls that they even started to find, they found that it was portions of the book of Leviticus. So it would be Hebrew. God's still showing us today, y'all. And Jesus in his life and in his ministry showed us through his accounts that he and the Father are one. So what do we do with this? Did Jesus claim to be God? Absolutely. Yes. 100%. How do we respond to this though? What do we do? Like I said, we either treat him as a liar, a lunatic, or Lord. And if we treat him as Lord, we have to be that sheep that doesn't wander. But we have to be that sheep that follows the shepherd. As the band comes back up, I want to pose that question to you. Are you a sheep following the shepherd just one day, one hour a week? Are you a sheep that is following the shepherd when it's most convenient for you? Are you a sheep that runs away from the flock when the heat is turned up at work? It starts to question your faith. In a public arena... Maybe in line at Walmart, Ingle, wherever. And do you believe with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength that Jesus is who He says He is? If you're in this room today, I'd, I'd be remiss if I did not say this. All of this is coming to a point. All of this has a point. And the point is of the redemptive work, Jesus Christ. Jesus, through his life, death, burial, and resurrection, took our sin to the cross. And we hear this all the time, y'all. Don't don't grow bored with what I'm saying here because don't get tired of the gospel because it changes people. The gospel is more than just a religion. The gospel is a relationship with the one true living God. The gospel is more than just tradition. The gospel is surrender and complete 
giving of your life. Not just areas. Not just areas. Are you a sheep that's a part of the sheep flock? Are you listening to the shepherd? Do you believe the shepherd is who he says he is? Has there been a point in your life where you have surrendered your life, repented of your sin, and placed your faith in the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ as payment for your sin from a holy God and repented of that life of sin and pursued being a part following the shepherd. If you've never done that, if you've never placed your faith in Christ and repented of your sin, we'd love to tell you how to do that. If there's things that are weighing you down today that have been on your mind, that have distracted you, that you've got a lot going on and you're like, Jimmy, you know, I, I, I appreciate your message, your time, whatever, but I've just got a lot of stuff going on in my life right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know how ends are going to meet or, or what may be. Let me say this. There's a father that cares. There's a shepherd that cares about every single detail. And he wants total and complete surrender and trust. He will give you exactly what you need for today. If you just need to come down to the altar, we say altar, but this is steps. If you want to be prayed for, I'll be down here. If you want to know how to follow Jesus, I'll be right here. Worshiping with you guys. Don't walk out of here. Don't walk out of here without knowing Jesus today. If that's you, don't, don't walk out of here with knowing that you have repented of your sin and placed your faith in the one true living God. Place your faith in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this passage of text. And Lord, even the small truths, and I know that there are, there are deeper things that we could have delve in, dove into this morning. But God, we thank you just for this simple truth that you showed us in this passage of Scripture. That you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you have shown us that through Christ, you showed us who you are, your characteristics, your nature. And God, I don't understand all of it. I'm learning too. But God, we're thankful for the truths that you have given us this morning. And we just ask that you're honored and glorified in it. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.